0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. Good
1: evening and welcome to the gallant few. Premier League Roundup Podcast. Um, my name's Jamie Royals. I'm standing in for the ever famous Mason Stewart this evening and I've got two wonderful guests with me, the lovely Colin McDuff and uh, Graham Campbell. Colin, how are you? I'm very good,
2: Jamie. Um, I've picked a dynamite week to make my return um, <laughs> to the Premier League Podcast. I might end up with a job after this, man. Um, if I speak well enough, there's enough growing anyway.
1: Good man, thank you. And Graham, how's you, how have you been?
3: Brand new, mate. Thank you very much. Looking forward to dissect a wee quiet weekend in the Premier League.
1: Yeah, I was trying to work out an agenda and it was like, where do we start? Do we start with the games or do we start with actually what's been happening in the last two weeks? Because um, <clears throat> there's uh, there's there's quite a lot to be talking about. Um, and I think we'll start off with the biggest headlines, which is obviously the manage, managerial, ro- <coughs> managerial uh, rotations that have been starting to happen. So two weeks ago we had the inevitable Conte with his speech that looked as though he was going to be doomed from the off. <clears throat> that pretty much happened not long into the international break. Then on Sunday afternoon we had Brendan Rodgers, um, that apparently by mutual consent don't kind of believe that, but hey. Um, and then uh, finally um, it. Later on last, last night, uh, Graham Potter finally exited the door at Chelsea. And these are obviously hot topics that we've been talking about recently. So uh, probably best just to kind of round them off. So first and foremost, so Graham Potter, um, kind of feel the ratings been on the wall a little bit. Um, there's been a few tweets that have been coming out in terms of the money that's been thrown at this, which is actually what kind of really shocks me. Um, if we go back to when Chelsea pinched Graham Potter from Brighton, it cost a reported twenty one million to get Graham Potter and his team out of there and into Chelsea. And in order to let him go, to pay off all the salaries that they've incorporated for his team, you're talking about at least sixty million. Well, if rounded off, that's an eighty million transfer that they've paid for a manager with a six months, um, six months in the job. Colin, I'll come to you first. What's your thoughts on that? It's the most Chelsea statement ever,
2: isn't it? £80 million <laughs> for six months' work. Um, like, you're right, the writing's been on the wall, but I, I don't know why I'm surprised it's no happened. It's no ended, I like guess. Sorry, I don't know why I'm surprised it's ended, like this, I should say. Um, Chelsea's a basket case, at a club. Uh, you need to be a, a special kind of psychopath to go in there and thrive. Hmm. Um, they're this type of type of environment and Graham Potter he's a really good coach but I think we all agree he's just that big club management he's maybe a few years off that um, the whole managing the prima donna I don't think the players really ever bought into him um, especially with, uh, there's a different type of ego that goes about clubs like Chelsea when the money's spent on players that don't really justify it um, in terms of a fair Chelsea point of view Again, it's it's mental money Just silly money, but it's the kind of Gambles and risks that they're taking It's just a, an ultimate football manager mode And just finding money And hoping, find shite at the ball And hope it sticks really um, uh, I I think It'll be very interesting to See who goes for it next Because I'm saying all fair um, I actually think the Spurs job's a bit more attractive than the Chelsea job right now Um in terms of a more stable environment. And I think they might be going for similar type managers. So it will be interested to see how that pans out.
1: Yeah. Graham, um I know you've been obviously a big advocate of green Potter and I'm, I'm probably with you in that camp. I really do like him. What do you think it was ultimately that got him out the door? Was it the results? Was it his style of play? Was it his tactics? Was it some of the stuff he was saying? Because you can kind of probably take a lot of pinch from each of each all of them, couldn't you?
3: Outstanding, obvious. It was the results, wasn't it? Um, a big advocate for Graham Potter when um, when they appointed him, You're thinking, right, they're going in one direction, um, and then they spend three hundred million, and you're thinking, why on earth wouldn't you just keep Thomas to Tuch- to shell in place anyway? I don't think there was one person that agreed with the shell sack, and I think there was a lot of folks that thought it was bizarre. And to go with Potter and then to go and spend 300 million made it all the more bizarre, to be honest. I think Potter's a really good manager. And I think whoever picks him up um, is getting a really good manager. And uh, I think it was the right thing for him to leave Chelsea. Obviously, these results can't continue. It's absolutely nuts, the the form they've been on. So, yeah, I think probably the right decision all around Um, Densie's reputation a wee bit, but I think he'll bounce back. Yeah. However we are, again, we're on, it's going to be one of these managerial roundabout situations, I would imagine, with yeah. Potter going to one club, somebody going to the other, in terms of we've got three hey, three jobs vacant, essentially, um, right now in the Premier League, so yeah, it'll, it'll, I think that'll make it a lot more interesting, and I think there'll be a few clubs sniffing about
1: do you think there was anything in his actual individual tactics? And I'm I'm using the most recent game as an example. Um, playing Cucurella as a left centre-back when he had two centre-backs on the sub-bench. Um, and Cucurella was at one of the major faults for the goals. It's little instances like that that you start to hear a lot of comments on. Like, um, I think it was Loftus-Cheek playing right-wing back as well. Is um, as, as, you know, persistent, shall we say, in trying something new.
3: No, I, I don't think. I mean, tactically, for for somebody like Graham Potter coming in, I think, regardless of what anyone says, I think he would have needed time now. Whether they were on the catastrophic runner results, really, that they were, um, I think he would have got that time. Um, it just he, he, that that Aston Villa results just that was it, it was one step yeah. too far. But I do think that they would have given him. Um, through pre-season and the start of the new season, if they hadn't have been as, really as bad as they had been, um, I think their owner was certainly desperate to keep him. It was just like the way double that probably tapped uh, it. Um, I think he probably thought he might have had a bit more time. Maybe I think he probably thought the confidence of Todd Bowley was going to be um, was going to. A C- uh, case of death <laughs> <laughs> well, Yeah, I mean, you'd think that would be fine, um, but obviously, as I say, the, the board. Uh, the both took the decision is a is a whole and he's gone. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's I think it's I think it's a shame, but I do think he'll 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 bounce back and uh and improve um, his worth at a different club. I said to Colin before, just off air, that I actually predict he'll be
1: back at Brighton come the pre come the season start of next season. I think you know with Zidu playing the way he is, there's a lot of interest in Zidu I think Brighton's probably the most sensible option for him to maybe end up back
3: at? I think he is better than, obviously no disrespect to Brighton, I think mm-hmm. he is better than Brighton he showed that, he does deserve a crack at a bigger, a bigger club I think, I would be surprised generally if he's not honestly if he's not maybe Leicester or Tottenham
1: Well, we'll come on to Leicester next that actually brings us nicely in so um I think this evening it's actually been ruled that Lester already speaking to somebody, um, which probably doesn't shock the fans. Um then then the name that's been used is back to Nigel Pearson. Apparently he's in having talks at the moment, um, which is uh, you know, they had uh, they let him go for um, shall we say, differences in the in the in his first tenure. Um, but that obviously brings us on to Brendan Rodgers. Um, I'm not been shy in my thoughts on Brendan Rodgers in recent weeks, um, Colin. Without any bias, obviously from uh, a Rangers Celtic point, what was your thoughts on Rodgers? Was it was it right for him? Should he have went a lot sooner? Um, the results he's had, I think they've earned something like eight points um, this year, um, which is obviously good enough to get anybody the sack. I think.
2: I oh, yeah, I think I said um, in one of the the first shows that it. For one of our better words, it looked as if he had chucked it at him, and no, just down in the tools. But it's—I don't think Rogers even believed that he was going to turn it around at Leicester. And I think sometimes you just do run your course at, at certain clubs. And it's—I—I'm I, not right going to be to have—I'm not right going to be <laughs> too popular with the listeners here. And, um, Rogers is a decent manager at Premier League level. Um, I don't think he's right to go to your top four um, or top six right now, but I think the size of the club that Leicester World Rogers went in and he's grown them still punching above their weight, or, albeit they did win the league a couple of years before, but that was a fucking freak result. But he did have them punching above their weight for a wee while and got a trophy behind them as well. Um, <laughs> I don't see Spurs being the right fit for, for Brendan Rodgers. Um, I think he's too big a job, and I think we've seen how how he done at Liverpool. Um, I think he's probably found his ceiling where somewhere like Leicester. Um, I think, I think Leicester, uh, I think Spurs would be absolutely mad to take them uh, again. Back to my earlier point, I find the way Spurs are, are growing now, and just also um, oh, Man City. I've been on Man City, and Liverpool have been on a different level um, mm-hmm. for the past few years, and I know this season's a bit different, but you've maybe got about. 285 clubs who are all vying for maybe third and fourth place and Spurs are firmly in there. I think they should be aiming for a higher calibre of manager.
1: Cool. And, and Graham, um, on on Leicester themselves, do you buy into he wasn't supported from the, the, the powers above or do you think the players stopped playing for him or do you think he just lost his mojo with the team? Because it seems to have. Like a a combination of things as well for him, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, I think uh, first of all in Leicester, I saw it earlier, obviously Talk Talksport <coughs> Talk came out and said Graham Potter has rejected the chance to speak yeah. to Leicester. He's taking a break, so I think he would have been an obvious uh, choice. I think he'd actually be a really good fit for Leicester. And Nigel Pearson, chat and heard that is that absolutely mental. Um, But yeah, (laughs) that'll be interesting to see. (laughs) In terms of Rodgers, I think it's interesting with Brendan Rodgers um, take away the the Celtic side of it from hearing uh, ex-players of his, um, whether it's Liverpool, Swansea, etc. They all said he is probably one of the best coaches they've ever worked for. He's an outstanding coach. Bit of a weirdo in terms of a human being by the sounds of it but he's a class coach so I don't think it was that I think likely he would maybe have expected when he went from Celtic to Leicester that he would have made this step up at some point to another club maybe a, t- a top six maybe Um and it's not transpired despite being one of their most successful managers um, obviously winning an FA Cup in the Community mm. Shield um, European semi-final two years in Europe, I mean he's, he's done a good job, it'd be silly to say he's not I think maybe what you're saying is it's just the right time, I don't think the players stopped playing from that I don't think he was disinterested or unprofessional I think it was just one of those things maybe he's been there a bit too long I actually think he would be a good fit for Tottenham I think Tottenham are such a ridiculous basket casey club they've not won a trophy and, However many years they are bringing in all these high caliber coaches, it's just not working. I actually think that a Brendan Rodgers would maybe be the the right place to go for Tottenham, uh, and I'd I I, I think it be maybe surprising for them to to go for him. Okay, he's just been sacked by Leicester, but I think he would he would be as good a fit as any, rather than okay go and get another foreigner in. But see on
2: that, Graham, I think Daniel Levy's well, ego will allow him to go for a manager who's just been sacked for the relegation zone. So I kind of see it happening. I think Daniel Levy's like, far too much of a high thought, himself, and Spurs. I kind of see them going for that. Maybe, but
3: I think we're at the point where I'm not sure what... What manager are they going to attract now? I mean, you've had Conte's outburst, Mourinho's struggled there. There's obviously things going on at Tottenham and yeah. when you talk about lack of support, um, yeah, okay, you saw that last Leicester, right? Rodgers didn't have much to spend for that kind of year, maybe a yearly period. I think at Tottenham, there's maybe things going on. Um, back there, I think the thing that Rodgers would probably do is, Is get the best out of the players there just now, and they do have a bloody good squad. That's one thing Tottenham do have, so yeah, maybe, maybe, but I I just don't know what other manager they turn to anyway. I
1: think, I think for me, the the, on on Rogers with Leicester, um, Rogers normally has a good couple of opening years, and he obviously got his FA Cup. Leicester have obviously had financial troubles going into this season, that's why they had to sell Fafana for like 85 million. However, their, their owner cleared their debts about three months ago, completely wiped them out. So he's obviously going to try and invest. You would anticipate in the summer. It's probably whether or not Rodgers was going to be the person to spend that money for him. Probably, maybe not. Going on to the Tottenham side of it, Tottenham have not been spending or not been as locked into to sell spend the money because Conte wouldn't sign a new contract. So if you're going to invest money into a manager that potentially is not going to be there in six months, there's probably got half and half. My question for Rogers on Tottenham would be more of Tottenham have a perception of where they think they should be. They think they should be challenging the, the, the top, the, the elite, if you like, of the Premier League. And I can understand that. Why is Brendan the person that excels them to that? I probably don't think so. I think Colin said it. Tottenham probably less. Uh, sorry, Tottenham is probably Rogers' ceiling, but I don't mean I don't think he can take that next step when it comes to quality of manager um, and quality of the club. So I think Rogers is going to be a sticking point about what his next actual job is going to be. I think that might be a bit of a challenge for him. Um, and. Obviously, into, into Tottenham, we've got another managerial casualty as well. Um has been probably not a surprise. Um, Antonio Conte um, was let go during the international break. Um, I think my only surprise was it took so long for it to actually happen. Um, and they've left his um, assistant in charge. Um, I think his name Stellini, um, who's currently playing against Everton right now. Colin, what's your thoughts on them appointing... Stellini. Um, should they be making a move for a new manager or?
2: Well I think um we we've probably just answered that. We who who did he go for? Um because it's you know, I think Rogers probably in the, the pecking order. I think it's the right right choice to uh, put in Stellini done okay when Conte was out um out No well, didn't he? Um yep. And I think right, right now Whoever comes in, they're not going to change um, the season drastically. I think this has to just be a, a bit of a, a bit of stability job right now, between now and end of the season. I think Stellini maybe has that cohesion with the players already, and it's, you'll still get the new manager bounce, I think. Watch this, um Well... I say that and they'll get scrutined for <laughs> not enough ever now. Um but just, ball, as you
1: put it. I ball.
2: <laughs> um but I think we'll see a wee bit of bounce for them. Um just it's I think a lot of them know that they're they're playing for like maybe a move in the summer or a chance at uh a Jack being a first team player for whoever comes in. So I, I think it makes sense not to rush in. I can see him being there for maybe uh, three, four weeks
1: at least. Game. do you think Tottenham with the managerial change are in the hunt for top four now?
3: No. No. Nah, I don't I don't think so. Um especially if they have this um Guy and just hold, holding the ship. I don't know whether that's maybe even until the end of the season or I, I don't think what it does show is that they obviously maybe don't have a clear target. Mm-hmm. Um, or they do, and they just they're not available, and it's one of those wait until the summer, it's maybe like Palace, you know, you've got odds until the end of the season till a successor um is available that that suits them. I, I honestly don't know. I could see, I could actually see Tottenham. I could see them go with like a Premier League manager, whether that's like a Marco Silva, a Deserbi, or someone that's like Rodgers that's just been sacked or, or Graham Potter. That's how I see Tottenham going now, um I think they might try and go like a British manager to be honest. So I, I do think they'll be trying to get like Graham Potter or or Brendan Rodgers. Um I think if if they want someone now um <laughs> and they want that push I honestly think Rogers comes in now I think they would they would make a strong finish to the season. I know that might sound daft but it's hard to ignore um a lot of the players that played under <clears throat> Rogers, in, in terms of his coaching prowess and stuff, and, and the players that Tottenham actually have at their disposal, it's, Harry Kane's done. Do you know what I mean? It's like this is his last season, in my opinion. So I don't know whether it's just one last push with with some of the players they've got, and, and whether that's like a Brendan Rodgers you know, remain to be seen.
1: That was going to be my actual next question. Um, obviously, everything that's going on with Spurs right now. Does Kane go? Yes or no? If he does go, who do you who do you see him going to? Colin, go you first?
2: Um, I don't think I don't think he'll go. Uh um, you think he'll stay? I think he'll stay. I I think the ship's passed for for hmm. him to go. I think he should have went. Not even two years. Over the last five years, like any opportunity he could have went and he could have went to most clubs in Europe. But let's be honest, he's he's a fantastic, he's a generational cycle, but
1: He's knowing, he, he, he tried to go, didn't he? Remember there was that gentleman's aye. agreement that didn't—that was so-called didn't happen? I think I said that's his fault for fucking... <laughs> <laughs> trust trust
2: Daniel Leavitt. trusting <laughs> the devil. <laughs> aye. Um, but, no, I, I think the time's gone. Um, okay. I, I don't see... Even in England... Maybe Newcastle. Why like, Did they get the benefit of signing him? I, I thought I a couple of years ago, man, you would have been great. I don't see who who spends the money on Harry Kane for in the wages um for for what he'd want for the top for the top four right now. I don't see it happening. I don't see him growing abroad. So I think you'll see how he's his career at Tottenham and as I said before,
1: it'll just be a pub quiz question in years to come. Graham, what about yourself? Obviously the opposite, but what, give us your overall thought on it?
3: I think that is unbelievably harsh going on a pub quiz question. I think he's <laughs> In a, in a active, game
1: but... I shows your
2: medals, is go fuck all.
3: Do you know what? That's fine, but I mean, not at Tottenham and not with England. Like, I think yeah, in a game shows your medals, it's like saying Alan Shearer. I mean, he he goes down as one of the greatest ever. He's Spikers, got a medal. He, yeah, he won. So, he, what I'm saying is, he won one Premier League now. Okay, if that's, if, if that's a be all and end all, fine. But Shearer was a lot more than just one Premier League. I think Harry Kane is a lot more than. I mean, he's not one end, and it is tragic, but he's a top goal scorer for England. He holds ridiculous amount of records at, at Tottenham. I actually think, like, his, his contract ends in twenty twenty four. So you're talking about a one year, one year. I wouldn't imagine there's any extension on from Tottenham's part. I think they cash in on him. I, th- I think they cash in on him rather than see him leave it. Whatever, say one day. And two where do you think he would go? Where do you who think, you think he we'd would pay the money from? I think U would maybe pay the money for him. Really? Yeah, I do. Look, he's it's not going to be City, as we've spoken, it's not going to be Liverpool. I think in terms of Premier League, the only realistic option will be Man Man United at this juncture. Uh, I think he's the kind of player that will um, him up top with Rashford um, kicking about him. I think I think he's he's the kind of player that can take them to the next step of pushing for the title maybe in uh, next season. Uh and i think i don't, look i don't know i don't want to start saying numbers and making arse of myself because i just don't know but if you're talking about when year left his deal whether that's something like i don't know a 50 million i don't know if that's realistic Uh but it, it might be worth it i, I just don't, i'd be shocked if this isn't his last season at Tottenham.
1: Well, i would say i'm um... I'm feeling in Collins' camp. I don't think, I think he's priced out of a move. I think when you've got a window of people like Mason Mount, that has been quoted at roughly the best part of 70 million for one season left in his contract. Daniel Levy will look for a triple figure, in my opinion, for Harry Kane. I just don't see anybody paying that. Not especially when you've got the opportunity of somebody like, in Man United's case, for example, somebody like Victor Osserman, who is reportedly 70 to 80 million. I, I think that's probably a more realistic deal to be trying to pull. It,
3: but well where, where I disagree there is that's fine, Daniel Levy's wanting three figures, right? Mm-hmm. He's not gonna get that no one's paying that, so they will lose him for nothing in twenty twenty four. And it's not like he will still not mm-hmm. it's not like in thirteen months time for No, I think he'll time. sign
1: a new contract. I think he'll sign a new contract. No,
3: I just don't see it. I just do not see it at all. I think I think he'll regret not trying something else. And, and whether that does. is a whether that is abroad, who knows? I just think he'll maybe want the Premier League record as well. Um, and I think he could he could get that, certainly if he stays. And I just think it's unrealistic to think that somebody's going to pay three figures and then they'll leave him, they'll lose him mm-hmm. for nothing. And in 13-14 months' time, a, a world-class club will still want Harry Kane. No question. For free. Uh, come on.
2: I think it has taken Manny Levy's thinking, though, how... How much does the next manager want Harry Kane as well? So does that, moving Harry Kane
1: on, does that change the calibre of the manager that they go for? I think it changes the calibre of how much money they've got to play with if he does. Mm -hmm. I think that's probably the bargaining chip. I don't think anybody would not want Harry Kane. I think it's more of a, you know, if they do try and get top dollar for him and that's the war chest for whoever going in, you know, it's got to happen at some point, doesn't it? But I'd be surprised. I think he signs a new contract. I think he's he's not going to get the, ex, the 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 turnout that he wants, and I think he'll sign a new contract and stay. But time will tell. The Premier League shocking us every every weekend at the moment, so he'll probably sign for Chelsea tomorrow. Um, you know, end the season. Todd Bowley get a new striker, and before he gets a new manager or something, who knows? Um, it is the one thing that they've been looking for. Um, but obviously, from a managerial point of view, I think we've obviously covered the main points. Um, We'll obviously try and pick up some of the games that from the weekend, and I think you know it's only right to start with uh, the, the league leaders, um, Arsenal. Um, I'd, I'd be very surprised if anybody expected any Arsenal to get anything but three points from the weekend. Um, did you did you see the game, Colin? Um, what was your thoughts on it and on the overall performance itself? How you're saying, um nobody would
2: have expected another three points, but for quite a, quite a bit in the first half, Leeds were chapping at the door. Um I, I don't think Arsenal, Arsenal were excellent in the first half. I thought Leeds, um they created a lot of good chances. They were very quick going through middle of the front, so they were, and that boy was at Harrison. He had a couple of chances as to he has to do better, and, um but it's, again, I keep on talking about the, like, the, the emotional, the romantic side of the game, and Jesus, he's only played like half an hour or something this season, he's <laughs> come back into the start, you know, he gets a goal, gets an assist, um, and that's, I do buy it, and I think that's the kind of signs that you see for title winning sides, we spoke about the last time I was on about digging out the results when they're not playing well, I was i was worried how they were got to play with Jesus, uh, playing up front, but he's he stood up at the right time. Um, So I I think the more adversity that Arsenal overcome, the the more they cement their own belief.
1: The one stat that surprised me, it's actually a really good stat, is that Arsenal have had 16 different goal scorers this term. That's crazy. 16 different goal scorers. That's, you know, that tells you it's a team on the up and doing really well and playing within themselves. Um, Graham, you've obviously... um, been watching Arsenal just as much and I know you were not a big fan of Trossard. Has he won you over yet?
3: So I guess, look, I guess it f- for me it wasn't that I'm not a big fan. I just I just think they had to go a different like, I don't know, I just think different player for a different level. Trossard's good and he's made an impact, of course he has. Um Yeah, fair enough once proved me wrong, etc. That's, that's cool, but I still think that, you know, Arsenal to really run away with the league. I think they needed a, a different kind of level of player, a different elite player. Okay, I think at the time we said, oh, they'll regret not getting Budrick, who's not exactly <coughs> um who's not exactly Sean at Chelsea. Um but look, yeah, but Arsenal Arsenal are looking good. They're certainly not a team kind of trundling their way at the title. I mean, they've won four one in the last two home games, these are emphatic victories. Mm-hmm it bodes well but they have man sitting there us so um them them and trossard better keep it up or, or, <laughs> or you know it's going to be it's going to be really tight
1: yeah i think the, the the thing i think we called it a couple of weeks ago is they're now starting to pop people on the bench and actually still get performances across so saka for example started on the bench um um and it didn't seem to phase. I mean, come on and got some minutes, but every week now they've been they've been dropping one, leaving them on the bench and getting a better rotation going. So um they definitely seem as though they're the team to beat, obviously. And I think with um the Europa League being no longer a factor, their running looks a hell of a lot more healthier than what Cities does come you know for the push for it. So it's definitely awesome to lose in my opinion. Um, that brings on to obviously City, um, City, um, and the cursed half past twelve kickoff for Liverpool this season. Um, I know everybody's absolutely chomping at the bit the fact that um, Liverpool were were beaten and that, um it ruined my weekend. But in my own defence, Liverpool turned up the first off. I thought Liverpool were brilliant. They uh, they went toe to toe for for being so inconsistent. Um, we didn't shy away from it. You can see City were pretty scared of the counter-attack, and, you know, we had ample opportunities. I do believe, and this is my only bitterness, I do believe the ref absolutely bottled it and should have sent off Rodri for a carbon copy of the second challenge that he did with the pulling back of the player. And it was still 1-0 at that time. I'm not saying we would have went on to win, but it's those kind of decisions that you just think, mm, anywhere else and that probably would have went in our favour. Um but sometimes you have to just marvel at what City do. And when we came out for the second half, Liverpool just didn't. That's probably the, the, you know the general cost of it. And it, it reminded me so much of the Real Madrid game at Anfield, you know, where it was two 2 at half time. We went in at half time, came out, and within a minute we were down, and it just went one way traffic from there. And I think that was very evident from Liverpool. Um, I would love to say Trent wasn't at fault. Some of Trent's defenders just getting very, very inexcusable. And I think um, somebody said it to me at the weekend, actually, and it really does resonate. Trent doesn't mock players. He mocks space. But see when the players are making the runs, Trent's still standing in a bit of space. And you think, that's just frustrating. And I'm only using Trent as, as, as an example. I think Van Dijk was at fault for the first goal. He just doesn't want to put a challenge in. He's too feet to up on the challenge in. Um, and then it just starts creeping into the remainder of the team. And I just, as I said, second off was not great at all. Jack Grealish is an absolute shit house. The amount of times he falls over and begs for a free kick, he's like, he's like the English Bruno. He absolutely winds me up. Um, but they didn't miss Holland at the weekend at all. Um, I thought De Bruyne handled the match really, really well. Um, Colin, what about yourself, man? Obviously, you would have seen um, the highlights of the game. I thought that
2: first half, um, <clears throat> Liverpool looked so dangerous um, on the break, and <laughs> they were sitting deep, um, like throughout the game. And you know that that was our tactic to sit deep and try and get the ball middle of front, or well, back to the front, very quickly. And it, it it worked. It worked for the most part. But what it did do is the more City dominated the ball, the more that Liverpool started making these stupid Trick. decisions. Yeah. I and you're talking about Trent I thought Robertson was very poor defending as well just switching off and when you do sit back in that siege mentality you need to be tuned for 90 minutes and that's what's happened. that's what really fascinates me about Liverpool where they'll maybe set up these games go in at half time the other team will adapt to what they're doing but Liverpool just don't they don't have the concentration they or but they don't adapt and it's quite frustrating because you see how well they can play and how clever they can be, then they just shoot themselves in the foot. You're saying about the ref, um I was screaming at Mo Salah. Um Jack Greylish is getting all the all the plaudits for that run back. I think that's a terrible touch for Salah. Um, he, he has- He touches it done he? to every touches it. if he keeps that close mm-hmm. control, a quick ball across the jota to nothing. That's a completely different game. That's you know, that's when you maybe mm-hmm. see Liverpool can actually play with a wee bit more freedom, they don't need to sit back so
1: deep. Yeah. I think that changes the whole dynamic, yeah. Um, Graham, what about yourself? Um, is this city starting to turn the screw now or?
3: Yeah I think for, first of all it was some game, I really enjoyed it obviously I was leaving, I had to leave to to go to the Rangers game um, so I saw the first half and yeah I was I was sad to actually um, have to leave, I was really <clears> enjoying watching it uh, it, was, it was good to watch uh, second point is just Alvarez man, forty million. that is <laughs> an absolute bargain that's yeah. got to be bargain, the, probably I, bargain I, I probably a bargain probably because
1: thing. they're paying about three different sets of wages that nobody knows about yet
3: yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll leave the accusations to you. Um,
1: All these views are my own. <laughs>
3: uh, but he's he's class as well. So, yeah, like I, I get what you mean. Oh, they didn't miss Haaland. But, I mean, God, when Haaland's not playing, man, it's still they, they're still a lesser team. I don't care what anyone says.
1: See, upon reflection, I probably would have preferred Haaland to play because you could have centralised that your defence on that one attacker. <laughs>
3: If um, Alan plays against Liverpool on Saturday six one, do you know what I mean? That's my opinion. I think the guy is—he adds to it when people say that. Oh, they don't need him. or they didn't miss him. I completely disagree with that. Guy's absolute class. But in Alvarez, they've got—they've got another goal scorer there. And as I'm saying, for forty million, man, it's just the absolute bargain of the season. When you look at Premier League, and do you, how you much think he's
1: another? Do you think he's another Jesus? You remember, where obviously, the Ariguero was the main strike and Jesus was always the backup. Do you think Alvarez is that or
3: do you think he's better than that? No, well, I think Pep, I think he is better than that. I think he is better than Jesus. He's got a bit more about him as well, physique-wise, etc. But I think Pep does look to actually play him um, more than maybe he, he tried to play Jesus, for example. <laughs> I think there's more to him. I think we'll see more of Alvarez for City certainly than we did Jesus for say for example. So, uh, I just think he's he's excellent. Yep. And yes, they are definitely pulling away. I, look, the the the, the 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 foots down. They're starting to just pump teams left, right, and centre. Um, that's whatever it is. Seventeen goals in the last three games is disgusting, <laughs> to be honest. So, yeah, that that's what we're seeing with Arsenal. I think w- w- no-one said that they're just going to pull away, but mm-hmm. they need... I mean, I, at this point in the season, I don't see City stopping, but I do still think Arsenal win the league because I don't see Arsenal slapping up with stupid results that are going to cost them the league. Not right now anyway. So, yeah, look, it makes for an exciting title race.
1: Good. Um, and the next game that I wanted to have a look at was, was the... Was the the one from yesterday? Um, Newcastle and Man United, because you know uh, it was third versus fourth or third versus fifth, I think. Now third versus fourth. Um, it was a big win by Newcastle um, against Man against Manchester United, who were obviously um, you know tr- trying to play the season of their lives. Apparently, um, Colin, we want to give you this interesting fact. So this time last season, so Ralph Raniak was in charge. This time last season. Man United had 47 points this time, they've got 50 points. There's only three points of a difference compared to where they were this time last season. Does that shock you, or, is or are we all what? Or are we are we seeing something different from Man United this season? Um, it, it
2: doesn't shock me because I know there is a lot of work still to do, man. You probably. What I would say is um, we we have seen something different this season and a bit more a bit more of an identity and a, a style of playing. You can see what they're trying to do. They're trying to build something, and I think um, I, I think we we'll, we've all agreed. The four years on this but that you know n- over the next twelve to eighteen months, I think it, mm. it will be interesting to see if they can continue to build. They started to Erickton has started to get a, a grip in the dressing room for the most part, uh, moved on a lot of the, the big characters which were just poisonous um at, at Old Trafford. So I think that's the big difference, you know, you can see what they're building towards instead of just trying to sign Marquee signing after Marquee signing and hoping that somebody'll just do something. Um but I think that was uh that was a marker for Newcastle there in terms of I see both these clubs in a similar position uh, next season, where I don't think it's unrealistic to say that they want to push um, for, for second or first. Um, they're both going to spend a bit of money. What I would say is, if Newcastle uh, finish above Man U this season, do they become more attractive to potential players? Are they in the market for the same type of players? I think they could both do are. a solid number nine. I don't think Harry Kane's at number nine, because he's got to die at talking them. But mm-hmm. um, I I think that will be interesting. Um, Newcastle were really, they were bang up for it. They wanted revenge for, a for, the, for the it it was an absolute was, statement. They they not they won they glamorous, but they just they they had the blood and thunder. You know the way they pressed off the ball and everything. They were just so much more energy than the man you did.
1: They wanted it so much more. I think I was massively impressed with the way Eddie Howe's signings as Eddie Howe's substitutes worked against Man United. Man United took off both central central defenders um, and and Newcastle went to you know right at them and, and managed to get the second goal out of it. Gideon, that's the third game in a row now that the Man United haven't scored. From the last three games since they won the, the cup. They've not scored a goal in three games, but they've actually let in nine. There was a, a, a the seven nil obviously against Liverpool, the nil nil against Southampton, and now the two nil at Newcastle. Is that something for them to stop worrying about?
3: I mean, if you're you, yeah, I guess. <clears throat> it's like any any huge cup you're up, two games from a disaster or whatever. So yeah, of course, like concede nine sounds worse. Obviously, that seven nil game it had it had a hell of a lot to say at that. Does surprise me in a way the start you just pulled three points behind Ranić, but then their start to the season was absolutely howling. Mm-hmm. Really, obviously, two wins. It's two easy losses. to
1: forget about it, isn't it, considering how they've yeah. been the last few
3: months? Those yeah. two losses in the first two games, I think, maybe in the first 13 games, they only won five or six games, maybe, and they certainly lost four at least um, that I can think of. So I think they've picked up maybe a bit more consistency. Yeah, you're saying those last three games; it's just dipping again. I think that was always going to be the case. I knew that's why we thought that they're not going to they're not going to challenge the title. I don't think anyone ever considered that, even when they were in not the best uh, patch of form. Him and beat Man City, etc. I do think they'll comfortably get in the top four. Actually, Newcastle probably will as well. Um, and I think for them, it's just about. Trying to get as much momentum and gain as much consistency f- for it. Maybe a title, chart Certainly next year. Definitely in the next two, and it will just be a big transfer. window. I think if they, I do think if they get the transfers right in the summer, players going out and players coming in, I do think they'll. Um, I think they could really push the top two next season.
1: Was this Newcastle Manu?
3: Sorry, Manu. Manu. Man Man um, yeah. You think so, they're
1: only two players away from that?
3: No, not two. Just I just think they need a big. It's a big transfer window. Whether it's getting out the right players and getting in, maybe maybe it is two, three players, but certainly a bit more depth, um, better quality of depth. Obviously, they've got somebody like Vout who in my opinion, isn't a Man United player. Um, mm-hmm. certainly maybe filled a gap for this six months, but for example, you've got players like that there that, in my opinion, aren't aren't new quality. So when you're looking at their um, competitors at uh, Man City, obviously, in Arsenal, the players coming off their bench um, have have huge impacts on the games right now. Man, you don't have that, so I think a big transfer window for them, and if they get it right, I think they could push the, the top two for sure.
1: Yeah. I think the thing for me with Man, U is that there's been an evident golfing class since they've lost Ericsson and Casemiro. You know, where Ericsson due to an injury and Casemiro to the suspension, but it Kind of take something out of their midfield dynamism. I think Bruno's not even been the same, um, so it's surprising that obviously when we pulled them, when we look at the stats and you look at them and you go, I don't know, it just felt like Manu were having such a better season than what they were. Um, massively impressed with Newcastle yesterday. I think that was like a that was like a second breath for them to kind of get through to the end of the season. Um, see if they finish in the top four, Colin. What do you think? I mean, we said a couple of weeks ago that Newcastle are way ahead of what their expectance would have been from the McVoners taking over, you know, ahead of the schedule. The next four years, we'll win, a title, we'll win a trophy or, you know, we'll make a challenge. The, the, the probably way ahead of that, there's a difference between top six and top four. See so if they get top four. What level of kind of play are we talking about? Do you think of the difference when you when you look at a Europa League night to, compared to a Champions League night?
2: I, I think you will see a lot of a lot of money spent on the um, on the individual signings. And what I think they've done really well is adding that depth that Graham's talking about. Um, mm-hmm. They still don't know enough to challenge Arsenal, Man City right now. But you, you're now seeing the squads all at a kind of base level. You know, there's it's not just 1-11, then a massive drop off a cliff. But I think you probably see You probably won't see too much going out um, For the, the kind of main 16 You will just see I think I, I they could really do with a cycle Like a number like nits, um, You are know, probably in the mode I had again four years ago Keep on hand back to him But um, I think they won't be shy in spending money on maybe Two or three marquee signings um, But again I don't know I don't know if Eddie Howe is the right man for the you know the kind of big time players. Um I think I, I think he'll get the time. I don't know if he's a man to lead Newcastle into this trajectory over the next two, or three years for where they want to go.
3: Yeah, I think as well, just just on your point about look make no mistake, okay, my, my opinion. If if Newcastle were finished top four and man knew to finished fifth. Right, just for example, depending on the player they go to, I don't care uh, who whoever that player is. If they have a choice between Newcastle and the top four, or Manuel, or, Man- Manu. or Manu and Chelsea, for example, mm-hmm. they go to Manu or Chelsea, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know how I don't know how much uh, the Champions League will have in terms of weight for Newcastle if they get there. I think it's just down to their scouting and them getting the right players in, and I think they've done well so far. I think they'll they'll go for a similar level of player from where they got Guimarez, where they got um, Alexander Izak, right? Who are obviously class and really good buys by the looks of it. I don't think you'll see them. I don't think you'll see them like really go head to head with you know some of the really massive transfers out there this summer. I think they'll have their own game and they'll go for their own players. I also agree with Colin. I don't think they'll ever win the league with Eddie Howe. I think Eddie Howe is obviously a talented coach. I just don't see how they how they went out with him though, but you know could be wrong. I think next season will show us everything about kind of that next step and in, in, in what direction I did.
2: I I you'll see the bottle of the owners because it's all fine and well saying that we we want to yeah. build it, but. Do you stick a twist? Do they start panicking and say, all right, no, we are ahead of ourselves. Let's really spend. And, and I was talking about the Man City model versus the Chelsea model. Um, Chelsea have just decided to find money at the time time again, whereas Man City, aye, the money's been there, but they built that over like, nearly a decade now. Um, hmm. And I don't know, uh, I don't know enough about these owners to know if they have the patience for that.
1: I think the one thing that kind of, kind of echo you guys is, We've seen Eddie Howe get the best out of players like your Ryan Fraser's, your Callum Wilson's, you know, those kind of players. If you qualify for the Champions League, you start to spend some serious money. You're talking about serious egos that come with that. We've never seen Eddie Howe actually succeed with those kind of players as yet. So, I think it then becomes a different ballgame for them, do not it? Um, but yeah, I'm with you guys. I think um, I think it'd be great to see Newcastle. Finish in the top four the way the way they're going, only because it makes it interesting to, to see what they do next season. Not because I think they'll then start turning that into winning a title, for example. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what Avenue they go in. Um, move on to another big game um, that happened yesterday. It was a massive three points for um, David Moyes and West Ham. Um, Graham, I'll come to you first. Was um, that was a massive win for them, wasn't it? That was one that they've been they've been waiting on.
3: Yeah, huge. Huge win. Uh, obviously, the relegation battle being so tight when you're playing one of your, compared, uh, one of your rivals at home. I think what it's finally done is, in for Southampton in particular, that they're the first club we've now seen with a bit of daylight kind of between themselves in the relegation zone. um, and Added goal difference, you know, they're not one win away from getting out there, whereas the rest of the clubs are kind of interchanging right now with points happening in some places and losing points, suddenly you find yourself in the relegation zone. I think that was, I really think that was a real badging for for Southampton yesterday and, you know, that there, there's just that bit of daylight um, gathering, so Huge result for West Ham. I think. I think um, this pod's probably um, been more behind West Ham keeping Moyes. To be fair, yeah. uh, and and you'll yeah, see again. I think with Moyes, West Ham will be okay. Not to say it won't be a fight. It won't be maybe tight. It won't be. A, <laughs> they won't be shitting themselves, the fans. But I do think they they will survive with Moyes. Yeah,
1: it's it's crazy how it works. That one when now projects West Ham from second bottomed up to fourteenth, um, but they're still only four points away from Southampton. So, um, I, I think with you, it's it's they've got a tough run of games coming up. Um, do they score enough goals, Colin, or do they or do they do they try and keep clean sheets? What's what's their best way of attacking at the moment? Um.
2: I I find there has to be horses for like crosses. Um looking at the next five games, they've got Newcastle, Arsenal and, and Liverpool, um yeah. at, at home. Um I oh, will be at home. Um and the big ones, Bournemouth away. Um that'll be the 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 real tough one. I don't think you're trying to outscroll Newcastle or Arsenal the the, the way they're playing. And now I think you need to try and shut up shop. And I think, I Moyes, Moyes, sorry, Moyes is a, <laughs> a good tactician. Um, he is he's good at he is good at adapting game to game. I think Mason said that a couple of weeks ago. Well, there's been a terrible run of form, but if you if you if you wait back somebody over that ten game period to stay up, then the last ten games of the season you do you do fancy Moyes to to get the players behind them by any of what they're trying to do. So I think they take each game as it comes. Um, you know, if they can even get, get two points, uh, these Newcastle, Arsenal and Liverpool games, and pick-up points against Bournemouth, um, I think that will go a long way as well. I don't see them uh, taking it away at Fulham, personally, but um, even a point there would be a bonus.
1: Um, Yeah, I agree. I think I think West Ham stay up by the skin of the teeth, um, just purely for the fact that they've still got Moyes and George because he's been down there before and he knows how to get out of it. Graham, the team that you love to hate that just don't seem to be going away at Bournemouth. Um, Every time you know we we kind of make a we make a prediction of the top of the bottom three, Bournemouth then jump out of it the next week and they got a big three points, um, an unlikely three points considering they were one 0 down and then managed to turn it round. What was your thoughts on that game?
3: Yeah, look, no question. That was a it was a great three points for Bournemouth. Like, they're still absolutely down the thick of it. Yeah, it's a good start. And look, when you're in the relegation zone, absolutely you need to be looking for three points in your home games, no question. They got them against a really good film team, and as you've said, they were one 0 down, so yeah, it makes it all that more impressive. Um they are still down there, they still have the worst goal difference in the league. Um they're obviously far from safe. I still think they'll go down. I'm um, now each week goes on, uh, I'm more willing to put like I think it'll be Southampton Bournemouth now. They're my they're my two teams. I locked in. Yeah, I think for me they're locked in and I know they're, they're hovering above it just now. Um but yeah, look, good result won't take it away from them. But for me, yeah, I, I still think they go down.
1: Um, Yeah, I I would say, you know, they're going to be obviously yo-yoing back in and out. Um, Colin, what about yourself? Do you you see Bournemouth doing anything to, to stay out of this or do you think it's going to go down to the last day for them? I, I think I'm saying I a couple
2: of weeks ago that they're really good to watch now. And I don't know if it's just they thought they were done in and they've taken the shackles off a bit, but you're still seeing the stupidity coming out. Um, like Graham said, they've got the worst goal difference in the league game. Um, it's like, what, minus 28 or something? They've lost 55 goals. Um, and you've you seen that. The, you, I think you've seen the best and worst Bournemouth. um just the, the silly mistakes and. It was an boy, Ottoara, could have went one up and he's just like kinda of falling over his own feet in the other box. Um I thought the defending for the film role was terrible. Yeah, uh, that led to it. Um but then you seen him almost, you know, get a bit of vigour behind him again. Uh Marcus Staff goal was stunning. It was an absolute belter. Uh but that again we I think he's
1: about, been watching his brother a bit.
2: Yeah, uh, aye, he must be aye. And he stole his ball talent this season, um, <laughs> but uh, him and Christy coming on—I thought they changed the game. They were so, so forward-thinking. Uh, that's so that's the other side of Bournemouth that you have been seeing. I think they might have left it too late to start that, but because they, they still don't have the discipline, so I'm to agree with Graham. I think they're done in, but they, they'll make they'll make it exciting.
1: I think the one thing they've got in their favour is they're actually still scoring goals. See if they were drying up and and you know they're struggling to score goals, they probably are different. But while they're still scoring goals, I think anything's open. Game um, is like Hodgson looking twenty years younger, or, or what? Like he's came back and he looks literally like he's just been on holiday. Come back, new manager bounce. Palace not only get a shot on target, they get goals in as well, and they get a three points.
3: Yeah, it's amazing what um, <laughs> a bit of retirement can do. Fourth time retired, six six months out or whatever since uh, he left Watford or whatever it is. I can't remember, but um, yeah, look, super Roy Hodgson, for the Palace fans. It's it's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. They go that long without a win. Big man comes back. Knows his squad. Knows what to. And they didn't. I mean, they didn't just win. the... Look, I know it was a last minute, but I mean, if you look at the stats, etc., yeah. they really—it was one sided. Yeah, yeah, it really was one sided, and I think they probably deserved it. Yes, if you're a Palace fan, a 95th minute winner as well to to win your first games and yeah, of 2023, 20, I should say. did uh, <laughs> really that. Started, yeah.
1: <laughs> I know, man. It would have
3: felt good, and it was a it was a tidy goal. It was a nice finish to to win the game as well. Um, so, yeah, I think. I don't know, I, I, I do I think we said we're all, we think Palace have enough about them to keep themselves up anyway I, I really think they will and I think this is where we're going to start to see a few teams just starting to take away in the relegation battle is going to go from that kind of 7 or 8 team or whatever to, to kind of 4 or 5 maybe And I think we'll see that in the next uh, coming weeks
1: Colin, um, they lost sort of hard just at the beginning of the first off, so it looks like he's going to be out for a couple of weeks. That's going to be a big blow. But as Graham said, they now need the strikers to actually start performing, don't they? Just to ah, catch and in. A, and I
2: thought uh, Ayu and um, Matea played well. Uh, Mike, the biggest thing is uh, the cycles, bit be, behind the pack ordens, that often they chipped in enough. Um, but no, they they played well. Um, I think will go for them. They seem to have the the kindest right, running over the next five games or so. Um, it's Leeds, Southampton, Everton, Wills, West Ham. Uh, it's, it's all the teams around there, so mm-hmm. they won't take maximum points. Of course they won't, but they can start to take points off the team around them. They're already uh, are they in 30 points now, um, so four points clear of the relegation. Um I don't see them losing every game um at that running. Um especially again, it does really matter who it is, you always gotta get some element of a new manager bounce. Um I think a lot of these players have played with Austin before as well. So there's there's that. Um Zaha will be a, a big blow, but just you just need to argue or Mateta to, to
1: chip in and I think they'll be all right. Good man. Um Game Brentford and Brighton, how was both teams to score every day of the week? Wasn't it?
3: Wasn't half. Uh, yeah, enjoyed enjoyed highlights that, that one, to be honest. Um, as you say, yeah, two teams kind of banging for me with, with a great season so far. Two really pretty <laughs> likeable managers that, that play really decent football, particularly Brighton. So yeah, as you say, I think any any betting man will add had uh, both teams to score on that one. I'm not sure you'd got great odds for it, mind you. But uh, yeah, really, really enjoyable game, totally.
1: And uh, Colin, um, the the Wolves and was it Forest? I think they were playing. Um, that had draw written all over it, didn't it? Aye, nah, it, it wasn't a
2: great game either, was it? <laughs> um, I, I think the best thing about it was starting to get a wee bit edgy uh, towards the end um, with uh, I think Brennan Johnson. Was oh, I, it, It's weird. Apparently it wasn't a spit, but the guy does a spit in motion. Apparently it boy on him. It uh, blew on him. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, can you, can you back for your Saturday night um, yeah. that chat. <laughs> um, nah, it's... Uh, Bogging game, aye. Um, <laughs> but I think the best part of it was uh, the, the two sending half the, the assistant managers, they, <laughs> and also I was watching the match of the other day, and somebody said the scenes you don't like to see. And I'm like, you're not a football fan if you don't like a wee bit of, <laughs> a wee bit of scuffling, a wee bit of hostility, exactly.
1: Just on that, just to kind of go back, what's your thoughts? There's been a lot made of Pip Guardiola's mm-hmm. celebration. Um, for the equalising goal uh, against the Liverpool subs. Um, what, what's your thoughts on that, Colin?
2: I think he was lucky he didn't do it in front of Nunes. Um, I thought, <laughs> I, I, thought the, I can't mind who the boy was, but... Um, Custer Aye, Patience of a saint, by the way. Um, I thought there was plenty of players in the Premier League who probably would have kicked off and it I would have led to said scenes, which I love to see. Um, but it's... I was surprised at that way with with Pep. Um I don't know. Yeah, he, he does get a bit animated, but I don't really see him as being like a wind up merchant. Um I thought that did come out, of, come out of the boy a wee bit. Graham, what about yourself?
3: Yeah, so that... a wee bit, a wee bit classless. Not, do you know what I mean? Like I don't, I'm not a cele, one of these celebration police kind of guys, but. Just the way he did it, do you know what I mean? It kind of was like an elongated celebration, and kind of followed them down the touchline. Uh I don't think there was much need for it. I think he will probably be a wee bit embarrassed about it now. I know in the press conference, kind of shrugged it off, right? But mm-hmm. um, uh, yeah, but you'd be fuck, you'd be raging if you are <laughs> Liverpool, Liverpool fan, <laughs> club.
1: I think when I seen it, and I I remember shouting at TV going, fuck, you know, some expletive that probably wasn't worthy. And that was it. I forgot all about it. It was only when it happened again in the press conference that I kind of took me back to it. And I'm like, "Eh, what was that about? And I I think I heard it today on TalkSport, and Simon Jordan said, we get so fragile about other people's feelings. Costas didn't show any feelings. He wasn't that bothered about it, or he played it down really good. So I'm kind of happy it was just that. The only thing I would say, if that was Klopp, people would be trying to throw Klopp under a bus because of. Remember, he's been done for his over celebration a little bit. So it's like, on one hand, I'm okay with it. On another hand, I'm like, well, what if that was Klopp? It wouldn't. Would it have had the same response? I don't know. Um, but you're so yeah. sensitive, you Liverpool fans. <laughs> the whole world are <laughs> against you, man. <laughs> it's our time, what, mate. It's our time.
3: What, what I will say is, look. At the same time, I better shit I was right. Isn't a bad I, thing. Either. That's what I mean.
1: Like I don't, I, don't
3: I didn't, I, I mean? didn't it's mind like, it. Yeah, Man City Liverpool mm-hmm. has kind of been the main rival, rivalry yeah. for the last few years, so it's not a bad thing. I yeah. think I was just a wee bit surprised, like from Pep, to, to be yeah. honest with that. sort of yeah.
1: Behavior. Do you remember? Do you remember last season? It was, uh, it was Klopp and Arteta. Do you remember on the sidelines that were a bit frosted with each other? So I don't mind it to some extent, but yeah. Um, Okay, um. So I didn't prepare a question, um, for the the end Can of it, the pod.
3: Go I on. Should say by the way, your your phone, Masons. Uh, I don't know. I game? I don't know if we covered Chelsea v but um. What I will say is, by the way, aren't I, Man, what a job! This is him sitting on
1: an Aston Villa stat, isn't it? He's been dying. No, I'm
3: not sitting on any Aston Villa <laughs> stat. I'm just like, obviously, a lot of the criticism goes yep. um, against Chelsea and Porter's sacked, etc. But I mean, that is some result for Villa. And do you know it what? you watched the game, they they played well, goal was wouldn't uh, and, and and they. They, they deserved it and you know Ollie Watkins man, that boy is on absolute fire mm-hmm. and he took that goal nicely it was a nice dink and kept his position mm-hmm. maybe a bit questionable but uh, it was some finish so yeah look, Emery man I did have a stat <laughs> well. actually prepared
1: for you Graham. that when feel- Unai and Emery was brought in since he's been brought in, only Pep and Arteta have got more points since he joined Aston Villa that's some going it's, you know, Obviously Villa were rock bottom I think when he took over, didn't he?
3: I don't Aye. think they were bottom No, I don't think no they were No, sitting for the nah. bottom, or something, bottom were... or something like that um, That's why I, Was that no, the bottom North bottom,
1: I think they were That's why Jared left I don't, I don't I think I,
3: I could be wrong I thought they were just above The relegation zone to be fair um when he took when he took over. Look either way, whatever they were, you know it's, it's some turn around, Some yeah. turn around. And... But see on stats, um I, I've been obsessed with him with that start
2: you said a few weeks ago that he's no lost against an English manager um in like the last ten, twelve games or something. So I, I, I backed Villa <laughs> um on my Macutum. It's the only fucking team that came in, mind you, so it wasn't worth it. But um I, I had you in my thinking when I was in the old laddies on Saturday. Right,
1: I got a question for you, right? So, this season has seen the most managers sacked in one Premier League season. We've had 12. Can you name all 12? Graham, go. What? <laughs> Come on. All 12 managers that have departed this season.
3: Okay, Gerard, Conte, Rogers, Potter. Does Potter count, Potter yeah. count twice? Yeah. Am no, I, no. no. no he didn't get sacked the first one, did he?
1: <laughs> <laughs> Go through um, a name on one.
2: Oh, who is that maniac that we we love speaking about? Um the why'd he be a PE teacher.
3: Then we've What's got it? Vera, we've got Jesse March, we've got um Who's the PE teacher?
2: Oh, what's his name again? Uh, oh, Nathan well, Jones. Nathan, I Nathan
3: Jones. We
2: spoke man. about him for sixty minutes a week.
3: We say Rogers. We said Rogers. We must we be did. that. Must be twelve. That's got to be twelve. Who we uh, miss? Seven. It?
1: What? Mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> uh, oh, thingy. Uh, your man. At, your man at Wolves. Who is your man at Wolves? I
1: can't remember.
2: Yeah, I, I can't even. I, I can name ten current Premier League managers, man. But
3: so at... I'll give you. I'll give you a Wolves manager, right? Thank you. <laughs> um, I think we've named. I think we've named them. No. I
1: think you've got a bit. I think you've all. I think you've still got like another four. Nah, I think we've named them. No, no. So you've missed
3: Jesse Marsh. Say Jesse Marsh. Jesse yeah, Marsh.
1: Frank Lampard, Ralph yeah. Hassan Yeah, Scotty nice. Parker. Thomas, Thomas Tuchel. Tuchel. Ah, here you go. I have oh, had a shock, oh, yeah. oh, no, that
3: show you. have <laughs> you've, you've had that shock. Oh,
1: <laughs> right, guys. It's been, obviously, it's been great to catch up because the internationals are absolutely honking. I don't care if Scotland won or not. Um, but uh, it's been great to talk about Premier League football, even though Liverpool were absolutely standing at the weekend. However, we are hopefully going to turn it around against Chelsea tomorrow at Stamford Bridge. Uh, evening kickoff. Colin, um, thank you very much again for coming coming along, and uh, Graham, it's been obviously always great to catch up. Um, But that's it for us, guys. Thank you very much, and we shall see you this time next week.